Good morning. Oh, anyone stuffed? <laughs> anyone uh, planning a fast next week to, to make up for the, the double amount of food we ate this week? Um, but no, I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving and were able to um, enjoy some just much needed time with family um, and uh, focus on the things that you're most thankful for. But I do know that for many of you, it's a heavy time. I know that some of you didn't get to have um, the same crowd you had last year, uh, either due to, to COVID or uh, maybe due to a loss in a family um, over this past year. Um, and I also know that many times the reality of the holidays don't match uh, our expectations um, that we had for it, it or, or just the days that follow kind of leave us feeling um, feeling heavy as family leaves and as we have to go back and face kind of the reality of, uh, of next week as well. Um, and I know for, for my own kids, uh, my brother was in town with his kids um, this past week, and so my kids are feeling that, that weight uh, this morning as well. But I hope this morning um, we can lay our worries down, um, we can take a deep breath from this past week, and, and focus on God's word for us today. I'm glad you're here with us this morning, or those that are tuning in on YouTube. Uh, welcome. And, and when I say welcome, I really mean welcome. We're finishing our, our radical series this morning uh, through the book of Acts, and we want you to know that you are welcome here. And, and if there's one thing that you have, um, that you've learned over this past 12-week study of the book of Acts is um, that, that you're welcome in, in Jesus, and you're welcome here. And not only are you welcome, but we need you here. You, you see, we need your skills, your talents. We need your heart. And we need you for the, the, the mission that our West Side congregation is on. We prayed for you this morning. We prayed for the sermon. Um, we prayed um, for, and, and I believe that each one of you are here for a purpose. Uh, and it may not be the purpose you thought you were here for, but I know God has you here for a purpose. And I just want to pray before we kind of dive in this morning. God, we just thank you for, um, God, that, that we are all here for a purpose. God, I, I thank you that you have, um, God, included us in uh, the Holy Spirit's work. And God, I just pray this morning that, um, God, you just prepare our hearts for this message. You pray, prepare, um, God, my heart to deliver it and, and just let them be your words and not mine. God, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning is titled Radical Church. And, and when we say radical, I know there are a lot of negative connotations uh, around the word radical, aren't there? We just came off of a, of a we're still in the middle of a, a, a political season where we threw that word radical to describe the extremes of, of the parties. Um, I was an 80s kid, and uh, I, I'm sure I used the word totally radical uh, way too many times, and so we're glad it didn't last and that, that can stay in the 80s. But when you hear that word radical tied to church, we cringe, don't we? When we hear a radical church, we think about those that have used um, God's name or God's word um, and they twisted it to, to do some, some horrible things. And so when we hear radical, it does. It makes us cringe. But I promise you, um, after today, after this morning, I think you'll agree that there isn't a better word to describe the early church. And um, it's, it's one word that I would love for Sherwood Oaks West to be called if that means we mirror the early church and acts that we're going to hear about and those early believers. I love getting to take a break from teaching the elementary kids upstairs and, and being able to share a message with you, especially when I get to talk about what the early church looked like and how we can learn from their experience and, and from their example to us because you guys make it easy. 
I'm thankful that for this church, this body of believers that I've gotten to, to watch serve um, in such awesome ways over the past, um, past few weeks and, and few months. Um, a few weeks ago, we launched our angel tree, um, our Salvation Army angel tree program, and we, we cleared the tree before we even got to the 11 o'clock service. So we called the Salvation Army and we doubled up and asked them for more names. And those names were gone by the end of of the second week of doing that at 11 o'clock. I've also watched our servant heart team and our prayer team um, as they they step up to help families that are in some tough times right now. I've watched them uh, build a ramp for some post-surgery needs for someone. I've watched them... um, the, the prayer team just rallying behind each prayer we get to see how we can step up to support families in need. I've watched our COVID connection team forming and developing a group of people who are um, willing to reach out and help those that are either confined to their homes or um, aren't able to join us in person because of COVID. I've also seen the Dollar Club initiative that we're, we're, we're about to start um, getting to, to, to do the giving side of it. We've collected dollars each week, if some of you aren't familiar with that, and um, those dollars are gonna be used um, on the west side to, to bless people in our congregation that, where we see it. And um, there's some awesome stuff in the works right now, and I, I can't wait to get to share um, more of that with you. Um, also, there, there's, there's so much serving that I've seen, watching our kids stuff, Operation Christmas Child boxes um, upstairs, and, and that collection happening at Sherwood Oaks over the past couple weeks, and um, just thousands and thousands of boxes that are going to be headed internationally to, to bless people in the name of Jesus. But isn't that the West Side? Isn't that our DNA? Yeah, you're welcome here, and that's what we want, but, but you guys know that we're not here to come and sit and, and um, take in a message and come back the next week for the next message. We aren't a church of believers that, that come here just to expect to hear a great sermon. A lot of head nods there. Easy on those head nods. John will be back next week, I promise. Um, but also, but, but we ask you at West to join us in this ministry. When, when you come through the doors at West, we ask that you, um, you come alongside us and, and, and join us as, and serve with us, um, not just coming to hear a great sermon. As we wrap up our 12-week study of Acts this morning, we're talking about um, living what Luke wrote about the early church. We're calling it the radical church, and I'm excited to be talking to this church, our church, because our church is you. It's not this borrowed building we come and we worship in. It's what happens outside of Sunday, the other six days of the week, what happens outside of these walls. And it's not about what we get from our church. It's about what we can give and how we can serve and how we can grow in Christ together. And I think uh, if anybody knows that, it's you. This morning, I'm gonna take us back throughout some of the Radical series through Acts and look at what it means for us, not just our church moving forward as a Radical church. I'm gonna start with the end and then I'm gonna take us back to the beginning to see how they, they go together. So in Acts 28, the last chapter of Acts, Paul ends up in Malta after they were shipwrecked like John talked about last week. Acts 28, one through six, we read how Malta was an island of unreached natives. The Greeks called them barbarians and they called them barbarians because they didn't understand their language and and they thought it was just a jumble of syllables, hence bar, bar, the barbarians. The leaders believed at first that Paul was a murderer who escaped the sea, but the goddess, Justice, was out to 
capture him now and to kill him because as when they first get there, they're building a fire and Paul reaches down to grab some logs to throw in the fire and a viper bites him and clings to his hand. And, and so it gives them this image, oh, he must be a murderer and, the, and justice is coming to, to, to take back what he snuck away death from. But then really quickly, they change to calling Paul a God because as they're waiting for him to swell up and die, they're noticing he's going about his business and, not, and shows no ill effect from the poison from the viper. After this, they ask him, hey, come, the, the, chief, uh, the, the chief island official um, at that time wanted, um, his name was Publius, and they, he asked, his father was, was ill. So Paul is taken to his father, and Paul heals his father in, in, in the, through the Holy Spirit. And then I love what Acts 28 says, that all the islanders brought all their sick, and all were healed. That's incredible. And, and, and then not only that, but they, they find, because of this, they find favor and they decide that they're going to send them all the supplies they need to finish their, their journey to Rome. And Acts 28 goes on. They leave Malta in an Alexandrian ship and eventually they arrive at Puteoli. There at Puteoli, they were met by believers. This is remarkable evidence of the widespread of Christianity at that time because we know this is around 60 AD. And in 60 AD, Paul had never even been to Italy before. Nor to our, our knowledge had any of the other apostles. And yet there were Christians in many of the cities in Italy and surrounding it, as well as Rome itself. Here are some that are waiting to greet them when he lands some 130 miles from Rome. Then after continuing their trip, they finally arrive in Rome. And Paul is now fulfilling a prophecy from Acts 23, 11. If you remember God's vision to Paul about that Paul would testify in Rome. And here he is. And also he's fulfilling prophecy in, in chapter 27, verse 24, in the middle of that violent storm when their, when their ship is, is destroyed and they're shipwrecked. Uh, he revealed that an angel had told him not to be afraid, that he would stand trial before Caesar and not one man on that ship, not one man's life on that ship would be ended. He had written some letters to, to Rome some three years before this point. And now here he is, just as God had promised, just as the angel said, and, and what comfort it must have been to show up and to be welcomed in the way by two different groups of believers who were there to greet him. This was a triumphal entry, even though, if you remember the story, he's still a prisoner, but he considers it a triumphal entry. He was allowed to live by himself with a guard, and he was allowed to share his faith in Jesus with, with anyone who came to see him. Communities of disciples had already been established in Rome before Paul's arrival. We can see in Paul's letter to the Roman believers in the book of Romans three years earlier, that and, and also... Um, when Paul was in Corinth in 57 AD, if you remember earlier the radical series, we, we learned about Priscilla and Aquila and that they had come from Rome and they had been converted in Rome uh, before they moved to Corinth, before the apostles had even arrived. So and we also remember much earlier than this from our first week in our radical series, the first Pentecost, when Jews and converts of Judaism from Rome were there and heard preacher heard Peter teach in Acts chapter two. Some of these people had been baptized and probably had, had after Pentecost had returned to Rome and began to spread this newfound faith in Jesus there. 
when Paul saw these disciples, Luke tells us that he thanked God and was encouraged in chapter 28, verse 15. Why was he so encouraged? Paul had just come through some terrible ordeals in faith, with faith and courage. God had spared his life. Why, why is he so encouraged to see these believers that, that are greeting him here? He, he'd, been through, he'd been through more than we can even imagine. He knew that God was with him and that he, went, that he was going to Rome to witness to Christ there. So about what then would Paul be so thankful for and so encouraged? Maybe he had some doubt about how he was going to be received by the church members there. Isn't that what keeps us sometimes from sharing our faith? We're worried about how it'll be received by those that we want to share with. Elsewhere, Paul had a number of difficulties with other conservatives of Judaism and, and Jewish disciples dividing the church and distorting the gospel. So maybe he was encouraged um, to see them because you think about Galatia and some of the divisions that had happened in different churches um, there. Paul had the greatest desire, though, to visit Rome. And he wrote and to prepare them for this visit. Paul wanted to come to the Roman church with joy and so that he could, they could share and have their faith renewed and refreshed. Maybe Paul felt anxious about how this meeting would go. But his gratitude for these two groups was enough for Luke to make mention of it in chapter 28. And it's the only mention of the church in Rome, the church in Italy. After Paul's greetings from them, nothing more was ever heard from that church. And, I, and as we get into the end right now, Luke ends this meeting describing um, Paul's message when he met with the unconverted Jews of Rome. Many believed after he shared the gospel message, but listen what Luke says after he quotes the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 6, 9, and 10. Go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of these people calloused, Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. And then he follows that up, speaking to these Jewish converts, hoping to be converts. He tells them in Acts 28, 28, therefore I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. So it was kind of a, a, a slam on them to say, if you're not willing to listen to this, the, the message has been, the message is going on without you to the Gentiles too. And, and then it says that many Jews, they left arguing, but they left arguing amongst themselves. And we see that a lot through Acts. After Paul or after Peter or after whoever would, would share, a lot of times it became arguing amongst themselves because they couldn't argue the truth. They could only argue their truth. So uh, Luke's account ends, and this is where, this is the, the last two verses of Acts. It says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. <laughs> That's it? After all that Luke's told us about, after all that he went through, you're telling me that's it? There has to be more, right? He preaches under house arrest for two years, teaches and proclaims Jesus to people who come to see him. This is his triumphal entrance. This is his mission completed. All that he endured, the beatings, the attempts to take his life, the mobs, it ends like this. Well, at first glance, it doesn't seem like anything unique or special about these two verses. Paul the apostle preached about Jesus in his own rented home. 
This doesn't really seem too out of the ordinary. He's always in jail. He was always preaching from, from under house arrest or in jail, right? I've heard it say that he, he knew more prisons than he did cities or d- did hotels when he went to, into cities. But when we take a step back and look at context of the scripture, as we should with all scripture, we'll see that this rented house Paul was in was not much of a house, but a prison. Paul was told to live in this house while being watched by a Roman guard. People could come to Paul at his house and could give him what he needed or to visit him, but Paul couldn't leave the house. But then again, this really shouldn't surprise us either. Paul, being in prison, by, by any means wasn't out of the ordinary. Paul's life was one that was filled with persecution, with running, with prison, with moments of facing death, all because of the gospel. Think about Paul's life. Paul's life began on the other side of the persecuting. Paul was the one persecuting Christians, seeking them out, imprisoning them, killing them or turning a blind eye and and watching them be killed, all for the gospel. But because he hated it, he hated the gospel. But then there's this divine dramatic turn turn of events in his life. And now Paul turns this all-consuming wrath against the gospel into a passionate zeal for it. Then it's Paul being persecuted. It's Paul running for his life from danger. It's Paul being beaten and attempted to be stoned to death and put in prison. And now Paul is facing death again as he's finally made it to Rome and he's celebrating that it's triumphal that he's in Rome, but he's facing a death sentence. And now it's all for the gospel because he knows he wouldn't survive without it. Paul kept proclaiming the gospel with boldness and zeal. Why? because he knew just how important and precious the message of the gospel was. Paul knew that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, had won the victory over sin, over death, over hell, and that's what changed his life, his eternal life. And he wanted others to hear about it too. So there was Paul preaching Christ in prison. This is it this morning. The point of this morning's message and Luke's second gospel isn't for us to only see the acts of Paul. It wasn't for us only to see the acts of Peter at Pentecost, spreading Jesus' salvation to Jews from all over the world. Why haven't we heard about Peter since Acts 15, when the message of salvation went from the Jews to the Gentiles? What about John? Remember he and Peter speaking so boldly to the Sanhedrin about uh, Jesus when the Sanhedrin told them to stop? What about James? What about Philip and Stephen and the seven that were put in charge of the pastoral care, the, the pastoral care needs of the church and, and taking care of the, of the elders, or I'm sorry, of the widows? What about Barnabas? What about Silas, Timothy, Priscilla, Aquila, Apollos, Tabitha? You see, this isn't about the acts of the apostles. I know we call acts the acts of the apostles, but it's about the acts of the Holy Spirit. It's about the acts of the Holy Spirit in all of their lives. And the cliffhanger ending isn't isn't really an ending at all. It's just the beginning. Every one of the believers played a role in the story. Remember Acts 1? Jesus spoke before his ascension to heaven about the kingdom of God and for them to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit that his father had promised and how they would be witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
the Jewish disciples in Acts 1, they wanted to know if Jesus would restore the kingdom of Israel. You remember that? They, they were ready for Israel to be restored to its, to its greatness. What they didn't know is that God did restore the kingdom in the hearts of every believer through Jesus Christ, our Messiah. What they didn't understand yet was this kingdom would be a kingdom for all people, not just Israel, not just Jew, but Gentile, because Jesus comes to rule in the hearts of people. The radical church is you. The Holy Spirit comes to, to dwell in us. We are the radical church, not the building we're in. Then in Acts 2 at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit moved through each of the believers, even those thinking and asking if, the, if their nation would be restored. They didn't fully understand, but each of them played their part, fulfilled their role. And just as the Holy Spirit came upon each of them in individual pillars of fire, each of us becomes the individual church, the individual dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. That radical church is you. The Holy Spirit in your life your purpose and God's greater story. It isn't this church. It's the Holy Spirit using this church for his purpose in this town at this moment in time until like Paul, our mission is complete. He's given us each the Holy Spirit and we are now part of Luke's book of Acts. Our church is now a part of Acts, living the call for radical community, radical generosity. You remember these weeks, sharing to make sure that there's no need among us. Our dollar club and servant heart and prayer teams are doing this regularly. We have to take the call for radical authenticity, living and speaking truth. Because we know that from our radical women, our radical inclusion, our radical reconciliation, and our radical mission series, those sermons, that the work is for all of us. All of us are absolutely needed. It took the believers in Acts, their lives, their stories, their experiences for the church to grow and spread. And Paul's mission is complete and he's passing the torch onto us. We are the Acts 29. There is no Acts 29 in your Bible. We are that Acts 29. And the story is still being written until the consummation of all things. What will your story say? What will your part of that chapter say? Paul reminds us in his letters to the Romans, and I love these two different parts of scripture. He reminds us in, in Romans 12, 5. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. He just finished telling the Roman believers that we are living sacrifices and not to conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He just told them that. And then he tells them that in, in verses six through eight, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14, he, he continues this to the Corinthian church. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were given, all given, the one spirit to drink. Even so, this body is not made up of one part, but of many. So now, how about you and me? Not many of us are likely to have to run for our lives for the sake of the gospel. But there are still plenty of different barriers that prevent us from sharing our faith and sharing this good news with others. 
When they do, don't remember Paul. Don't remember Peter. Don't remember any other person than Christ. Remember what Christ has done. Remember what he has done for you. Then watch as those barriers that stand in your way of sharing the gospel, watch them crumble in front of you. Watch them crumble because the Holy Spirit has already gone before you. The Holy Spirit has already gone to share that message before you thought about going to share that message. And I love this quote I heard this week. We are God's plan A to save the world. There is no plan B. Now, we are, now we're caught up. Last week, John spoke about radical obedience. The obedience is being obedient to the Holy Spirit, not being obedient to a list of rules or a set of, of church rituals, but being obedient even when it means suffering or sacrificing our comforts for the sake of what the Holy Spirit needs for us for the kingdom's sake. I love this Billy Sunday. It's, it's, a, it's a stretch or a list of, of stretches. Billy Sunday's credited for bringing Billy Graham to Christ through some messages. He brought Mordecai Ham to Christ and Mordecai Ham brought Billy Graham to Christ, but he said it, he said it best. Let's quit fiddling with religion and do something about bringing the world to Christ. Isn't that awesome? It's not about Sunday. It's not about this message. It's not about this church. It's about what the Holy Spirit's going to do through us. Radical church. I love Mer the Merriam-Webster definitions for radical. The first is of relating to or proceeding from the root. The radical church now needs to proceed in our ways that mirror the root beginning church in Acts. Definition two, of or relating to the origin, fundamental. The radical church should relate to the fundamental message of the gospel of Jesus and never stray from it. Number three, very different from the usual or traditional, extreme. The radical church should be different in how we relate to people and how the, in this world and how we live and love others like Jesus did. And number four, slang, excellent or cool. Not even gonna go there. The radical church doesn't need to be totally radical. I'm, we'll, we'll, leave those, uh, we'll leave that phrase, the slang in the 80s. But Jesus was extreme. And our hope of the gospel and the Jesus' message of grace is extreme. We get what we don't deserve. You don't want what you deserve. We want what we don't deserve, and that's grace. And thank God for it. I wanna um, finish. I love the very last the very last word of Acts 28 is a Greek word, and it's, um, let's see if I can pronounce this right, akoluto, uh, nope, akalutos, there we go, akalutos. And akalutos is the Greek word that Luke uses at the end of Acts. And I'll end this morning with that. Akalutos means unhindered, without hindrance. What Luke wanted us to know about Paul after his mission in a borrowed house under house arrest, without his complete freedom, but Luke uses akalutos. Acts began with 120 believers at Pentecost, receiving the Holy Spirit and the message spread across the globe. Paul witnessed to Christ all over the world and finished at the center of the most powerful city known in the known world. He and his message was met with opposition all along the way. Persecutions, beatings, deaths, imprisonment all threatened to spread the, the, the spread of the gospel message. All of that threatened it all along the way. But believers would soon reach ten, tens of thousands through the, the second century to millions by the third and fourth century to 2.5 billion believers today. Unhindered, despite the opposition, 
Truth cannot be silenced. It has and always will be unhindered. So for us, let's go be that Acts 29. The gospel will be spread unhindered. Let's keep writing that story. And, and I think it's important um, before we close, as we get ready for communion, that we understand something. If this radical message, this radical mission has, is now on us, it's scary, right? It seems heavy. It seems like a lot of weight. I have to go and be, and, and, and be that deliverer of the, Holy, the message of the Holy Spirit. I have to be that deliverer of, of the gospel message to others. And it, and it can be scary. You start sizing yourself. Well, who have I led to Christ? Who have I, what have I done to bring people to, to, the, to know Jesus? And we have to remember these two truths. Number one, no one who seeks to find Jesus will fail to find him because he's seeking you. He wants you and will never stop pursuing you. If you don't know him and you haven't allowed him to be your savior, then please let today be that day. Don't let a day go by without knowing that, that truth of what, what Jesus did for you on the cross. You are welcome and you're welcome here. And the second is for, for those believers already. The gospel is bigger than our failures. Both those before we were saved and those after we were saved. We cannot fail because God will get his message to those who will receive it. If you've joined us and, and those in Acts, you've joined the Holy Spirit's in this mission. And we need to, to make sure that we can be that radical church today. Will you pray with me? God, we just, uh, we thank you, God, for uh, that you've allowed us to come alongside you and your work that you started. God, we just, uh, we pray today that, um, God, as the, the Holy Spirit moved through Acts, God, that it didn't stop moving. God, that the story's just begun and the story is continuing to be written, God, and we each have a page in that history. God, I pray that you, uh, God, help us to have confidence in your word and confidence to share, knowing that you are already, have, you've already gone before us. And you've already worked on the hearts of those who are ready to receive your message. God, help us be bold as the radical church. But help us to also know that it isn't about this church. It's about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives outside these walls. God, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.